Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Modern Squid podcast, where we get to know the people behind our favorite writers and brands. On this episode, we have Nina from She-Wolf Motoko. All right. So I did mention my first question that I like to ask folks is on a scale of full squid to full at gat, where do you typically fall? I would have to say I'm probably more at gat than than squid just because I'm I don't I've broken a bone before and it was not fun and I don't want to do that again and I feel like it's super important to um I guess just be protected all the time because you just never really know and you know you can't really you can trust yourself all day but you really don't know what's out there and it's just better to be safe you know for the most part I mean I'm even like I'll put on my gear, even if I'm just going to lunch with somebody down the street. I mean, I just, I'd rather just know that I'm going to be protected if somebody wants to, you know, cut me off or anything like that. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, I did name the podcast, the full squid or, um, you know, the modern squid, but I am full at gat. Uh, So yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I noticed in a bunch of your profiles and stuff, you're pretty vocal about being vegan. Um, and I did see that you were looking into coming up with uh, vegan protective gear. And I wonder, are you trying to develop vegan protective gear because you haven't been able to find any on the market? Or it's just like, it's there, but it's hideous. Um, what, what's the motivator for that? I would say it's probably like a combination. I mean, in the very beginning, when I first started writing, that was kind of like my main concern is uh, mostly just not being able to find the exact gear that I needed. Um, a, it wasn't vegan. B, yes, it was not very satis- you know, very attractive looking. So I feel like I had problems in every category. And I just um, specifically, it was actually gloves, vegan gloves that I was looking for. And I'm still on the hunt for a perfect vegan glove. Uh, yes, I've found alternatives. I've found, you know, other options. There's actually certain companies that are willing to actually make you a, their vegan version of a glove, but for the cost and for the style and just the type that wasn't really what I'm willing to like, I guess, per say invest in, um, just because I didn't really believe in every aspect of it and it's hard for me to kind of like support a leather line (laughs) you know if I'm trying to kind of do things you know I'm trying to start you know going in that direction of being able to make vegan gear so um I think I think it was a little bit of everything I have since done my research since I I did my research before I started the company uh, for the vegan glove and I didn't find it so that was a push towards uh the beginning of my my company. Um, but then there was other alternatives that I had found throughout the time where I was, you know, getting pointed in other directions from other women writers and other vegan women writers that were like, Oh, try this This is great. Or, you know, and then I just kind of, um, follow that and go from there. Okay. So then were you able to eventually find a pair of, of vegan gloves that you were happy with or? Um, not yet. I do have a few pairs, but they're not, uh, it's either one's like, you know, I have one that's comfortable, but it isn't very protective. It looks cool, but it's not, you know, necessarily going to you know, protect you from any falls or anything like that. So it's very fashionable, um, you could say. Uh, so I have yet to find the perfect pair um, for gloves. There's another um, brand, I think it's called Olympia. And I was just like on the hunt. I mean, before I started She-Wolf and I was just kind of like trying to find, you know, something that could just work just for, you know, everyday kind of thing. And, um, I found that brand and for the most part, it, 
it was like probably the best glove I had found so far, but it was missing uh, the fit for like a woman's hand. Um, that's what it was. It was like a unisex sizing and I didn't feel like it was very, um, I don't know, just very accommodating for my, my type. Okay. So let me ask you this question. I, uh, hopefully I'm not making it too controversial, but I know, um, vegans have different stances on things. And one of the questions I had when I was kind of looking through your site and such was, did you ever consider maybe some, um, secondhand leather gloves as a quote unquote vegan option, or is that just, you don't even want to be associated with the leather regardless of the fact that it's secondhand or. In the very beginning, uh, when I first started writing, I, um, I mean, I, I love vintage clothing and I've collected over the years and I've had a lot of, you know, leather vintage goods before. And, um, I did actually use leather and because there wasn't any other way for me and I didn't ha I yet to research, you know, all the other brands out there and the women motorcycle brands that I had recently found. And, um, I think for me, it was almost like a, yeah, I'm going to wear this until I find something that's going to work for my lifestyle and my fit and everything. So I feel like, yeah, in the very beginning before I, um, I guess fully committed to the lifestyle I would. And then, um, something just kind of like, I guess just one day I was just kind of like, I'm done with the leather thing. I, I have leather. I still have certain boots that I'll wear, but, um, I'm not buying anything new and, um, I'm not really buying anything recycled anymore. I'm actually trying to like transition completely out of that. I haven't yet fully, but I, as far as like gear goes, I don't really wear anything leather, um, anymore besides a pair of gloves that I have that are just all I have. <laughs> and then also, um, sometimes shoes, I have vegan motorcycle shoes that are just vegan docks. So they're actually great to ride in cause they're lightweight and they actually break in faster. So they're a lot more comfortable and I, I swear by them and they, they, they actually like wear in like leather as well too. And they bend great and they form your foot perfectly and they're way lighter than docks. So like actual docks. So I feel like they're just perfect. So I actually just write in those most of the time, but sometimes I'll put on like my leather boots just because. Okay. So you mentioned, um, the doc Martins, the vegan version of the doc Martins and how they've got some give and such. Um, I guess, uh, I just started riding back in, well, I rode for the first time in November and just bought my own bike in end of March, beginning of April, something to that effect. And so this stuff's all at the top of my mind. Cause I was just doing the research for it. But um, one of the things I was seeing was that with a good boot for motorcycling, you want it to be rigid so it doesn't actually bend. So do you feel like for you, it's that's just where you're compromised between style, um, the vegan lifestyle and safety kind of really intersects in the best way possible for you? Or is it really just basically there's no options vegan out there that are more rigid so that you don't like break an ankle? like the rigid goes I feel like where it needs to be strong it holds pretty well um it, it does the same wear as what a vegan like a regular Doc Martin would do um it's mostly just like it forms to your foot but um as far as like the base goes it's pretty rigid um I there are other brands that I have looked into but I actually haven't experienced yet there is a shoe line called vegetarian shoes and they're actually steel toe and they're just like docks but they're they look a little more stiff for sure. I just actually haven't 
bought them yet. And uh, I'm just so into my boot. And I'm, I like, I mean, even with leather, like if you were to wear leather Doc Martens, I mean, they're not actual motorcycle boots. I just know a lot of women that actually wear them because um, also that's also like a hard thing to find in the women's motorcycle community. And there are great lines out there that make motorcycle boots, but um, they're not quite right yet. I guess I just haven't found the boot that I truly believe in. So um, I just know a lot of women that I personally ride with actually just ride with Doc Martens. Um, but I would like to give the vegetarian boot a try just because I feel like it's a lot more rigid. And as far as like the steel toe goes, I'm all for that. So I'd like to see how that how that works out. <laughs> yeah. I'd love a steel toe as well. I, um, I had the hardest time finding boots and all the gear that I bought. The thing that was the hardest for me was, was the boots. And the problem for me was that my feet are slightly different sizes. One is kind of wide and one is long. Mm -hmm. And so if I got boots that fit one of them, then the other one wouldn't fit, you know, yeah. and I found one pair that fit me perfect at one of the Harley dealerships, but it was hideous. Yeah. You know, so I ended yeah. up going to cycle gear and, and trying on probably four or five pairs of boots yeah. and cycle gear too, before I found a pair that actually number one fit number two didn't look hideous and also had sort of that ankle torsion control so that if I fall over, the bike doesn't snap my ankle. Right. <laughs> you no, know what definitely. I mean? Definitely. Um, so, I mean, even on the men's side, it's just, I think, well, for whatever reason, folks just have not dialed in motorcycle boots. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree with you. I have these, like, and like I said, I have, like, vintage, you know, motorcycle wear that I still wear um, just because um, I have it. And I, I think it's no use getting, you know, throwing it away because <laughs> that defeats the whole purpose of what I believe in. So with those boots, um, they're, like, I don't even know. I want to say they're from the nineties maybe, but they're pretty solid um, for the most part. And I really like wearing those on longer rides just because they hold, you know, together. And I, I just feel safer with them because they're just a little tighter on the ankle part, but like, they feel like they, they move, you know, it just has a good support feel. Um, but I have yet to found, find another pair like that. So it's like, I'm not going to invest in something that's leather because it's not what I believe in. So once I find the perfect vegan alternative to that, um, that's kind of when I'll go in that direction. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a constant struggle. And I know that there's a um, more for sport sportswear kind of style. They have um, a women's vegan motorcycle boot that people always uh, mention. Um, there's a few like uh, articles that I've, I've read before about like vegan moto wear and it lists like several lines and um, they're all kind of like sportswear style and um, that's cool, but it's not really like the look I'm really going for. And that's what's so hard is the balance. Like, where do you, you know, find that comfort with that style and the lifestyle that you live to? It's just kind of been like a, an ongoing search. And I have found my favorites as far as like that goes. And I do have protective gear. Um, there's a brand called Blackbird Motorcycle Wear and uh, it's all women's line. Actually, I don't know. They might have men's stuff too. Um, but I have a full on, um, it's a Kevlar line and then it has armor inside that you can like take in and take out. So like on hotter days, if you want to just like kind of rock the Kevlar only you can, but I love that jacket and like super secure, feel super safe. I wear it almost every time I ride, but I have another um, jacket from Revit that I wear and that's all uh, denim and like Dyneema. So um, feel pretty good about those for sure. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. 
I, uh, I tried to do the vegan thing for a few months. And so I have got some insight into um, vegan thought processes and things. Yeah. And my girlfriend is, um, she's making the transition to vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, you know, she's mostly vegan, but she has days where she kind of relapses and, and has, you know, something dairy or, or whatever. For sure. Um, but anyway, I was part of a lot of the, the different vegan Facebook groups and, and such for Arizona. And that's where I was wondering how you felt about sort of secondhand items, because it seemed like there was a small portion of vegans who were fine with leather and such, as long as you were buying them secondhand and weren't directly supporting the companies that were manufacturing them, because their thought process was better that it don't go into a landfill. So you're not contributing Mm -hmm. to fast fashion and all that sort of stuff too. Um, And at the same time, like if you needed something like, you know, motorcycle gloves or a motorcycle jacket, you could get something safe while you took your time to find something vegan. And then there was the other camp, actually, it seemed like the majority of the vegans in the groups were just like, never wear vegan. It's like advertising. I mean, never wear leather. It's like advertising for leather and promoting leather and and all these things. And that's the reason I kind of asked to try to find out where you fell on that um, sort of scale. Yeah. No, thanks for asking. It's, it's a hard line sometimes because it's like, you know, we're human. We, we learn as we go. I'm constantly learning. I mean, even about veganism, I mean, it was kind of like a lifestyle change for me. And when I decided to actually commit to it, it was one of those things where I can live without cheese. I can live without eggs. And that's the thing that people say, Oh, I can't live without this. And it's like, well, I said that too, but I converted slowly over time. And then it just became something that I felt really strongly about. So then, you know, over time you're constantly growing, you're constantly changing. And for me, it was a matter of, uh, um, I guess once, once I started she wolf, it was, it was more of a commitment factor for me to like eventually transition everything in my life to veganism. Um, just because I feel really strongly about it. It's not just, you know, how I eat, it's how I live. So, um, as far as like the, the where, um, you know, it's, it starts somewhere. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I probably won't buy new, but, um, I probably won't buy recycled or used anymore, but just, you know, like I said before, it's all the stuff that I've had. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> just how okay. it goes, I guess. Yeah. So <clears throat> to switch gears to get a little bit more directly motorcycle related, um, I'd read somewhere and I don't remember where exactly, but, um, I'd read that you were the first woman in your family to ride a motorcycle, but people in your family have ridden motorcycles for several generations, it sounds like. Yeah, and actually that has changed. I just found out that, um, and this might be where it came from. I don't know, but I had never known. Um, Recently, I found out that my aunts, two of my aunts had actually ridden motorcycles in Mexico. So I am first generation here from my dad's side. Um, Most of my family's from Mexico, Mexico City. And I had no idea that two of my aunts actually rode out there because it's an easy way of transportation. The streets are crazy out there where they lived. So Um, to get around. I mean, a lot of them learned how to, you know, take alternate um, transportation. So uh, I didn't know this. I found this out like maybe last month. And this was, uh, I think that interview had been from I, I don't remember, but it was before that. So yeah, I'm, I'm the first woman that I woman that I had known of, but definitely on my mom's side for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. are your are both both your parents from Mexico or just one of them? Just my dad. So my mom's from here and my dad's from Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend's from Mexico, actually. Awesome. What part? Uh, uh, Juarez. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So she's right there on the border and she went to uh, UTEP, which is in El Paso. 
uh, Texas. So, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. My boyfriend's from Texas. <laughs> I know it's not, <laughs> it's North, but yeah. 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 Where in, where in Texas is he from? Uh, Houston. Houston. Okay. Yeah. So how did you guys meet? Um, we actually met through family, uh, family of mine. Um, yeah, we were introduced through music. <laughs> He's a traveling musician and he was in t- on tour here and we had been introduced by, um, my cousin. So that's kind of how we met. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. You guys get introduced with the goal of dating or was it just, Hey, you know, I'm hanging out with this guy who happens to be here. This is my cousin, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was kind of just like a random hang. And I, I guess it was more of like a, he was like, Hey, you got any friends? <laughs> my cousin's like, yeah, I'll call my cousin up. So it was more of like a, I didn't know about it, but I guess they all had these intentions of uh, kind of sort of, you know, um, introducing to date. So it just worked out. So. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Okay. Now what does he ride? He rides a 1989 FXR. Harley. Oh, okay. Dyna or. Just um, I think it's just FXR okay. Dyna. Yeah. I guess it's a Dyna. So. I'm still learning all the models for uh, Harley. So. There's so much to know and like I'll assume that it's something because from what I know and then, you know, I'll get corrected like, no, it's this, this. So I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> There's just a lot out there. So I know as much as, <laughs> you know, experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I looked, uh, like I said, I was looking into um, some of your articles and, and such. And it sounds like you went from a 1982 Honda CB125 to a Honda Shadow to a Sportster. How how did you make the jump from Honda to Harley? I just test rode the bike and I literally it was it. It was kind of like a no brainer for me. I mean, I didn't even plan on upgrading my shadow for a long time. I had only had my shadow for maybe about eight months. And um, I had a friend, um, it was actually my boyfriend's old boss, whose wife used to ride. And he used to work in the shop and um, they used to work together. And basically he, um, he was trying to sell the bike and he had asked my boyfriend like, Hey, you think my, you think, you know, would be interested in uh, buying the Harley. And uh, I was kind of like, what? That's a lot. That's pretty intense. I mean, it just seemed like such a jump from what I was riding to what I would be riding. And um, I just told him like, I'll try to test ride it. You know, I'll, I'll see how I feel, but there's no, you know, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I mean, I never thought that I would ever ride a Harley just because it just wasn't, I was more into like the cafe racer, you know, style bike. And I love my Hondas and I felt like I was so, um, I guess just, they were so reliable. And, um, that transition was just a matter of, uh, test riding. And immediately I was just like, woof, (laughs) this is great. I, I can't explain like the difference in the experience between that. I mean, there was just no question about it. It was like, yeah, I I want that bike. So, (laughs) so that's kind of how it happened. So it was an accidental purchase in a sense, but I'm definitely grateful for that experience. That's awesome. So what year is your, uh, you got an 883, right? Yeah. It's okay. uh, 2002. So is it still carbureted? Yeah, it has a SNS. So I'm pretty stoked on that. <laughs> it's easier to work on for sure. Yeah. I think, um, there's kind of tools, two schools of thought a lot of times with that. It's the people who just don't want to bother with a carb. And then the people who are like, yeah, but you can do more stuff yourself if it's carbureted. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. And I, I'm grateful for that too. I mean, just cause I don't know if this is like a thing, but I feel like 
I have people that I know that have more problems with their newer bikes. And I don't know if that's a thing, but I just feel like I, I'm grateful that I can actually learn to know my bike and work on it myself. And it just seems more personal that way. I was talking to a friend of mine whose whole family has been into Harley for years and years when I was looking for a bike. And I kept hearing people say how unreliable Harleys were. And if you wanted a reliable bike, you should get a, you know, a metric bike. And what he was telling me was that it's true. There are a lot of uh, Harleys out there that have problems, but in his experience, it was often just that the people doing the work did it themselves and they would do things like put on slip-ons or put on a new exhaust and they wouldn't know how to tune it or they wouldn't even put a tuner on. And then next thing you know, you got all these overheating issues and heat really damages uh, engines. So I think if whoever you bought it from was maintaining it well and knew what they were doing, then from my understanding, they're really reliable bikes. So Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I think now too i mean there's just so much out there um so much information that you can get um to do more diy work and there's also ways to um check your work as well you know i think that with the technology there's just been more people willing to work on things themselves too um but yeah i've, I've never really had a, i mean you know little things here and there but it's been we've been able to fix it without actually having to go anywhere to get it fixed and um i just think it goes whether i think it, it's the work that you want to put into it. So I'm willing to figure it out. And <laughs> so is my boyfriend too. So I'm glad that we can work together on that. So it's been a fun experience. That's awesome. Yeah. So how mechanically inclined were you before you bought the Harley? Uh, absolutely not at all. <laughs> I had no um, education as far as uh, I didn't even know how to change my oil. I mean, honestly, that's still, it's pretty simple now. I get it, but it, I didn't know a single thing about a bike before I, um, I actually never really worked on my previous bikes. My Harley was the first bike I had actually done anything to. I didn't have the bikes, the past bikes, uh, long enough to be able to get to know them a little better. Um, so yeah, I would say like, I know a lot more about bikes internally, um, now. Okay. So you're a lot more comfortable wrenching on a bike at this point, I take it. Yeah. I mean, of course I, I definitely give my boyfriend a lot of credit. He's helped me a lot with everything and he's a, um, very patient man. <laughs> and, uh, we work things through together just so that I know that if I'm out there, you know, doing a ride on my own or with a group of girls or my friends or just anybody, I'm able to at least know, you know, the basics as far as like what I need to carry with me if something were to happen and, uh, just kind of be more confident and comfortable with what I got. So. Yeah, no, I think it's a good idea for everyone to have a mentor if they can, because um, I've done a lot of learning on my own on different things. Uh, mechanically, I'm still not very good, but I own a house and I'm cheap. So I did a lot of the work myself, which <laughs> meant, <laughs> yeah, which, which meant kind of learning as I go. And yeah. the jobs where I had a resource, uh, my ex brother-in-law was, um, he had a tile business. And so when I was retiling the bathrooms, I was able to give him a call and get advice on what I needed. And those jobs went way smoother than the ones that I had to just learn from YouTube or forums or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Definitely. I think it's great that you've got a resource there and, and people who, um, 
might poo poo on, you know, using your boyfriend to help. I'm like, that's, that's uh, ridiculous. Use whatever yeah. resources you've got, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're a great team. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm stoked that he's able to like, we're able to work things out. And I think if he wasn't there, I would also do my own research and there might be things that I would probably, I'm a little less patient. So I think I would be the one to be like, I don't have this. Like, I don't got this. Not that I don't believe in myself, but there's just a lot of things that I, um, you know, I, I try. And then if I'm just like, I can't, so I'll just pass it on. But, you know, I just, um, I, that's why I appreciate that is that we're able to kind of put our brains together and just, uh, work it out. I mean, we just, uh, took a trip to Solvang not too long ago. I mean, it's just only a few hours up North and really short trip, but, um, on the way back, my, bike had broken down and um it was the fuel line there was a hole it, it seemed like part of the engine had burnt through the fuel line because there was no like like any tape to uh, cover it just you know there was nothing to guard it so it actually was burning through the line so it stopped the gas from running through and it was just one of those things that like we both caught it together and we were both able to find the problem and we worked through it carrying the right stuff and when we had that like a uh, that uh, it's a certain kind of tape um mm -hmm. that just protects it from the the heat so that was cool just to have that around but you know we both kind of like found that together so i just feel like it was a it's always a learning experience you know yeah it out so yeah now a lot of people love to customize their sportsters especially harleys in general but sports sportsters especially have you done any kind of customization on your bike yet or yeah when i had purchased it it was actually it had its own modifications that i don't think most of it was modified. Like there wasn't really anything stock on there. Um, like the exhaust was a screaming Eagle exhaust that, um, was on it, but we actually took the baffles out to make it louder. That was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, just the SNS carb. Um, I believe that was modified, um, for sure. And then, uh, just different handlebars, uh, for easier, uh, just, uh, positioning. And, uh, we got some six over tubes that I'm going to put in uh, so that'll make my handling a little differently, but I'm really looking forward to that and uh, just little things here and there, I guess. It's That's hard to awesome. think of them at the top of my head, but want to do more. <laughs> okay, sure. cool. Yeah. So how long, how long have you been riding motorcycles, first of all? I've been riding since 2016. Okay. And so how long after starting to ride bikes, did you decide that you wanted to do um, an apparel company? It was probably not too much later than that. I had actually, when I first started riding, I went to an all women's moto market and I had no idea what to expect. Like I just went cause I saw a flyer. I don't even know. I just showed up and I didn't realize it was an all women's motorcycle event. And I was just like shocked, I guess. Cause you know, the world, like the community is very small in a sense, like depending where you live and what's out there for you. And, um, I didn't realize it when I was walking and I just started seeing every single booth was looked to be woman owned and there was women's motorcycle merchandise. And I just kind of looked around and awe, and I was so inspired by everybody. And I just couldn't believe, like, it was just like a kid in a candy store. Like I couldn't like, I don't know. I just didn't know that world existed. And I think stumbling into that was almost like a, this is, this is definitely meant to be. I love this. I'm so inspired. You know, all these women have a lot to offer to the community, but I also feel like as far as the things that I saw there, um, I felt like I have a different style with some of the things that I had seen, although 
their stuff was great. I felt like I could add to it. Um, you know, as far as like the veganism part goes and, um, I've got this kind of like, you know, horror spooky aesthetic. Uh, so I feel like I could definitely, um, contribute in some way in that form. So I wanted to definitely, um, just get it going. I feel like right after that, I was, my head was just like flowing with ideas and I had all these things in mind and that just kind of like sparked, um, sparked the plug for sure. So. So I think that I'd read that support your local she wolf was the first t-shirt that you had designed or come up with anyway. And I don't think I read anywhere where you came up with the idea of sort of tying women to she wolves. So where did, did that come from the horror aspect or did that come from a different spot? Yeah, it came from a few different, um, definitely like the horror side. I, I just always felt like that word, that name was so empowering. I mean, there's something to be said about a she-wolf. Like there's just, when you hear that, you just think badass, you know, like, um, but I also take it back to, you know, I used to read a lot of like a uh, Roman and Greek mythology and things like that. And it's always just intrigued me how things started. I'm always like a, you know, straight from the beginning and kind of work your way up. So I feel like, uh, as far as like the old Roman times where, um, you know, how Rome was founded and, uh, uh, you know, they were raised by a sheep, by a she wolf. So I feel like something like that, that created this entire empire. Like, I just feel like it's such an empowering thing that came from a woman. So to have something like that and just have it grow into this huge thing. I mean, I think that's kind of what the women's community is becoming. It's, it's, it's a movement. And, um, I think being a she wolf is part of the, a huge part of the movement. And I feel like, um, it comes, you know, it comes from something so powerful and passionate. So I kind of just took that and ran with it. Yeah. So in, in the things I've read about marketing, they say that you should niche down and then niche down one more time. And it does sound like you've got that down pat with the fact that not only are you making women's riding gear, which is one niche, but you've niched down further to be vegan riding gear. So I wonder how much of that was conscious, like a conscious marketing thing where you were telling yourself, if you're going to make motorcycle gear for women, you need it to be very, very specific or how much of that was just natural because you were vegan, you couldn't find um, a marketplace to fulfill your need. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, like I said, I went to the market and I was like, I love all this, but I still feel like I can add something to this. Like this isn't here and I'm passionate about all these things. Why don't we make it a thing? And also I can give back to the community and I can give back to other things like animals and, um, you know, just being vegan alone is giving back to animal you know rights and um i just feel like i can connect all that together and just kind of have a positive um support system and i guess just kind of see where it goes i mean it really had no intention of um i i didn't know i guess what to expect i just i just you know, I would kind of like think about it when I started and I'm like, is this weird? Am I weird? Like that I'm doing like, I, I don't know. It's just, I guess the confidence wasn't there. So I wasn't sure where it was going to turn or how it was going to be. And I feel like when I started, I just, I knew that I thought that the community was lacking something. And I felt that if I felt that way, others would be too. And that's kind of all it took. I mean, I would just, I put it out there and I just, you know, kind of waited and um it I would have people reach out to me and kind of just be like where have you been all my life like I there's nothing like this um as far as like the vegan part goes the horror part and I've 
met so many spooky horror vegan motorcycle babes that I can't even begin to tell you. And it's all because like something like this is what brings us all together. And, um, obviously like finding appropriate hashtags and uh, finding other people that way. Like I would just like kind of do like a, um, you know, cyber stalking and just be like, Hey, you're vegan. Like I'm vegan too. We both ride. Oh, you like spooky stuff too. Check me out. You know? And I mean, there's a lot of that because I wanted to connect with people and it was a lot of like trying to find your tribe. And I definitely found it creating something like she wolf and, um, also connecting with the other women moto brands, like that I looked up to from the beginning that I used to follow and I used as an inspiration. And I feel like it kind of just morphed into what it is now. So I had read also in one of your interviews that you originally started riding with your boyfriend and motorcycles and the motorcycle community um, really started to give you an opportunity to like meet more women who rode and you've since then started riding with more women. How much of it do you think is due to She-Wolf where you're reaching out with purpose to people um, to try to connect on um, you know, multiple fronts versus just you ride. And because you're riding, you're happening to run into women who also ride. Um, I would say that like the internet is super powerful. And I definitely have to say that she wolf is what brought me to meeting all these women because, um, I may seem, I'm very shy. Like when it comes to meeting people in person, I mean, I'm a full-time hairstylist and I can be great in my element, um, when I'm in my zone, but as far as like being out there in the world, like if I'm just writing with my boyfriend and we show up somewhere, like, and it's a full event, like I am not one to like go up to someone and just be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm very like, you know, um, kept to myself as far as that goes. So I think creating something like she wolf, it was almost like a way for me to connect with people. Um, overall, I mean, I started it to connect and, um, that's kind of how it started. And then I met a group of girls and, um, through the internet and I found out that most of the girls were local and that was even cooler. And then I obviously found, you know, women writing groups like the Lita's and I kind of connected to a few women on through that. And, um, it just kind of grew from there. I did like a photo shoot in a cemetery <laughs> and, um, that was the first shoot that we had done. And all the girls that joined the shoot were super down and were so rad. And that's kind of how I began writing with actual women. And it just, um, the other women that I had written with had said the same thing. Like, they're just like, I'm not, you know, the type to just go out there. And, um, also too, like with my schedule, I don't, I'm not really like a weekend writer because of, I work on the weekend. So writing and meeting somebody that's also off on a Monday, <laughs> that's ready to like rip around town is always like really fun to do too. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think part of it is you talked about finding your tribe um, and I'm wondering when I look through your Instagram, so many of the, the women that uh, you're with seem to also kind of have that same um, like punk rock, but horror punk rock or something vibe. Um, I guess I, I don't. I think you just added me to your personal one maybe, but before yeah. that I was just looking at She-Wolf. So now I'm wondering how much of the, um, the She-Wolf Instagram is, is curated so that you guys all have the same kind of look versus how many of those are the women that just became your customers and already were going to be rocking your stuff and you, you wanted to kind of feature them on the page. Um, it, I feel like it's a combination of both. I mean, I feel like, 
I said, like when I posted something or like, I guess when I started She Wolf, it just attracted that crowd that was always looking for that. So that definitely does have to do with like the customer base. But when I did the spooky cemetery shoot, um, all the girls, you know, aren't necessarily into that, but they were super down and super open to it. And they ended up really liking it and um, really wanting to rock my stuff too, obviously, because they're my friend, but they're also just like, this is rad. I love everything that this stands for. So it may not be their go-to style, but they're down to support a good cause and their friends. So that was kind of cool too. So I, I'd say it's a combination of both. I mean, I, I'm like a, um, I feel very strongly about like when I do any kind of like uh, curated um, event or if I do any photo, you know, photo shoots, I, um, I want to be real women writers. Like I want there to be, you know, anyone that is down to come shoot. And I, I leave it as an open invitation. I'll reach out to 30, 40 women. And if they want to show up, they can show up wearing whatever. And then, you know, here's some shirts, here's some stickers, you know, put them on your helmets, do whatever, whatever you want to do, just make it your own. And, um, that's just kind of where I leave it at. I feel like it's really important to, um, I guess, focus on what your intentions are with the company too. And the reason I ask is that most companies, most brands, when they have their Instagram pages will, um, you know, set up shoots, um, either have a stylist if they're a big company or, you know, they'll at least have an idea of what they're trying to showcase out of their line um, on their Instagram page. But when I'm flipping through it, it's super obvious that it's a shoot, mm -hmm. you know, when I was going through your page, so many of the photos just like looked like friends having fun, which is why I wanted to ask, you know, are you just like pulling your friends in to, to shoot with you or, you know, what's, what's going on here? Because they come across a lot more natural than some of the other brands. Uh, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with shooting with models and, um, you know, having a really um, laid out strategy or whatever, but at the same time, it loses a little bit of the authenticity that I see on your page where everyone seems more like they're kind of having fun and they seem a lot more natural wearing the stuff they're wearing. That's what I was like, I wonder if she's just asking customers if they want to get a, you know, come do a photo shoot. So, yeah, I, it's all really just like, for me, it's, it's a passion project. I mean, it's something that I started with the idea of having everything be supportive and, and, and uplifting and empowering. And I feel like, um, I'm a little, you know, I like that whole DIY look. I like it to be pretty raw and natural and just kind of speak from the heart. I'm very like, um, I guess, uh, uh empathic in that way. If, uh, yeah, I feel like it's just, uh, it seems to be more real when you put real people in and that's kind of where I want, you know, I want to show the heart of the company. I want it to be mostly that. And, um, I just feel like that to me is, is a way for people to be more confident in, in, in what they believe in. And also, um, just, just, I guess, show real people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I feel like that's what the community is about. And yeah, I like, you know, I, I do the photo shoot thing too, just to display what I have and, you know, content for the website and everything. But I just feel like what we need right now is just a lot of, um, I guess, just to show that unity in the um, community and just show that we're real people, we're real writers. And, uh, we also really, really like what we do. And, um, 
we like each other. So I feel like it's just show it off, you know, show, show what it is. And this, this company is based around that. I mean, it's, it's based around uh, caring for, for people and animals. And um, I think that should be shown in the content. Yeah. Well, I think you do a good job with it because it definitely comes across as genuine. So I know I'd sent you this question. um, So hopefully you've uh, given a little bit of of thought because it's, I think it's a question that a lot of people know is an issue, but don't really take a lot of time to think about it. Um, But as far as getting more women to ride, um, do you think brands have a role in getting more women to ride or do you think it's something outside of their control and if you think they do have a role what do you think they could do to encourage women to ride I mean I I feel like it's exactly how um I mean I would put it in my own brand like it's just really um having that uplift and support and showing that um what it means to have a woman to ride and be able to use their stuff, uh, whatever it might be. I I feel like it's great to, uh, I guess, include women. And I, I feel like it's a very important thing and this is a movement and it's, and it's growing every single day. And I feel like it's super important to include us and, uh, you know, treat us as equal and have stuff for us. And if you do make gear, I mean, definitely consider um, the actual woman writer, um, not just the woman model that, you know, I guess would uh, display their stuff. I I feel like it's really important to, to actually have real people involved in that and um, showing that support system, because I feel like it starts from bigger brands and uh, I feel like they need to listen to people and reach out to people and, and have a, an understanding of like what it is that we're looking for as far as like if it's protective gear like really really get to know the fit I mean I've I've had that jacket from Revit that I had it's actually men's jacket and it fits kind of snug in certain areas and it's not very fitted to my shape but I had it because it was like a vegan alternative and I I definitely like wore it until I found it a woman's jacket that actually fit, fit me correctly. So, I mean, you know, like we make it work, but it's not really like we should have to, I feel like there should definitely be that support and uplift from those big roles and those big brands. Okay. So you do think that brands play a role in getting women to ride completely. Okay. So it sounds like sort of in summary, what you're saying is, um, you know, listen to women about what they want or need and uh, make sure that you're representing them in, you know, uh, the different marketing materials they're putting out. Yeah, definitely. And when you make something a certain size, make sure it's, you know, not just going to fit the model that's wearing it. For sure. For sure. That's kind of like discouraging too, because you're like, that is so cool. It's super cute. Or, you know, I, I, don't see myself ever really wearing that, but maybe you should reach out to somebody that you know that rides and kind of get the feel, um, kind of get to know your, you know, who's willing to support you too, because that could open up a big, um, you know, big marketing for them too. So I feel like they really need to be aware. I mean, there's no excuse. There's so much out there that you can see online and it's, it's out there. So it's just like, you know, definitely do your research on that for sure. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I've mentioned this a few, I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes uh, that I've done yet, but um, I mentioned a lot that I've got kind of interest in marketing. And for me, the the biggest group of opportunity, in my opinion, for growth is 
women writers because all the data shows that most of the writers are men. So if you're looking to expand your sales, why would you not start focusing on a gigantic, like it's women are more than 50% of the population. <laughs> why would you not focus some of your marketing attention uh, on them? For sure. You know? And that's why I like seeing companies like you um, and like Chic Riot. Um, and where's, there's another one that starts with an A. Atwild? Atwild, yeah. Atwild really making a focused effort to make gear that, is protective that women want um, and is interesting. Definitely. You know, when I was talking to Chic Riot, one of the things they were saying was that, you know, they basically could find women's gear in, it was basically a male version or they would take a male version and turn it pink. And those were your yeah. options. And you that's know. not real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, not I mean, right. yeah, some, some women like pink, but not everyone who's a woman loves pink. Right. <laughs> For sure. It's so true. And um, there's a few brands that I specifically like and um, one's a woman owned and she's a writer too. And it's a stellar moto brand. And she, she specifies in like real women writers and, you know, all of her models are real writers and um, her brand's awesome. And everything is just fit to, fit to shape you and also be really comfortable and um, Dyneema based. And she makes jeans and jumpsuits and it's just amazing stuff. And I really, I really like respect her line completely because she is everything um that she sets a great example for you know other brands that i think should definitely take that into consideration when they're making moto gear for sure and um tobacco is also another brand that um tobacco moto wear and they um actually use they to make their prototypes they use real women riders and they actually do like test shoots or tests uh you know test um, videos to kind of see how the ride, um, how the pants wear and everything. So I really appreciate them too, as a brand. I'll have to check out the Stellar Motor brand. Um, yeah. Now Jen the, Stellar is the owner. She's really awesome. Sweet, sweet. Is it Stellar or Stellar? Stellar. Stellar, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tobacco Motor Company, or I think it's Tobacco, was it Motor brand or it's motorware. Yeah. Motorware. there you go <laughs> i uh you know i saw a few of their ads on instagram and i went and checked their stuff out and i've got a personal thing about um using dead native americans as imagery mm -hmm. and so I, I personally won't buy anything from them because i don't i don't like people who do that for um, sure i understand that completely you know yeah I mean? but they yeah, do have some super cool stuff and yeah. if you don't have the same thoughts about the you know situation that i do people might no, love it for so, sure I, yeah. I completely agree with you <laughs> yeah get that i know that um california kicked in a lot of restrictions fast at least faster than some other parts of the country are you back in your salon now or are you still out of the salon well you could say out of salon because i'm doing um the outdoor haircut thing. <laughs> I don't know oh, if you saw okay. no. anything like that. Um, I'm very selective though about like what I book outside. It's, I think it's the stupidest thing right now. I mean, I have so many, I have a lot of opinions about it just because I spent years of training, um, you know, safety and sanitation. And um, I feel like it's kind of, you know, not to get too into it. I just, I feel like it's unfair right now. So, uh, Fortunately, I'm able to do what I can to to work, and I am doing 
the outdoor salon thing. We have an alley right next to my salon. Um, I work in a downtown area and the alley's closed off. It's gated. So I'm actually able to bring clients back there safety safely and kind of have this like bungalow, like urban aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been able to like, I guess, uh, transform it into something that's doable for the time being, but I, I'm only working a few days a week and I'm doing a very selective, uh, procedures as I'm not able to do like, you know, just anything that includes washing someone out. Um, so basically mostly, mostly haircuts, um, or somebody wants to, wants me to slap on some color and they go home and wash it. I mean, that just sounds so bizarre. It's weird, really weird times we're living in, but I'm able to accommodate people or send them home with color kits, um, uh, at home, you know, uh, applications and whatnot, but it's been a little weird, but yeah, I'm, I'm only doing that a few days a week right now, just because it's a lot and the weather conditions can be a little rough at times and I'm not one for heat. So yeah, I know that's not saying much considering you're from Arizona, but <laughs> <laughs> or in Arizona. Well, it's, uh, it's relative, right? Because my girlfriend and I, we live together and for instance, yesterday we went for a ride in the car just to get out of the house for a little bit. And, uh, cause we're both working from the house and um, we get our groceries delivered and, and all that kind of stuff. So we really don't have a big need to get out of the house most days. So we tried to go for uh, a drive yesterday and her car, the AC is going out. So it works a little bit, but not that much. And by the time we got home, she was dying and I was fine. So, you know, person yeah. to person, location to location, you know, it's pretty individual. So one of the reasons I was asking about the salon, though, was I also read in one of your articles that you were using your um, the money you were making at the salon to fund SheWolf. So now that the salon has kind of slowed down, has have you been lucky enough that SheWolf had picked up enough to kind of support itself? Or are you, um, how are you doing with that? Um, well, within the last uh, few I guess last year or so, I, I mean, I have like a separate account for She-Wolf stuff. So I feel like if anything comes in, I mean, it's going directly back into, you know, making new stuff. Um, so I do have those separate, but um, when I first started, a lot of my investing was directly from, you know, my job. So I feel like it, it was definitely something that I had like saved up for, or, you know, put a little in at a time just to get it started. And now that I have like its own account, it's almost like its own, you know, entity. So I'm able to, um, pull from that if I need anything or just kind of recycle back into it. But, um, I still put money into it from like, you know, doing hair and everything. It's just, uh, right now I'm at this weird, um, in between obviously because of everything that's been going on and I'm just it's really hard to I guess find where you want to go with it next because of everything um it, the first I want to say the either the first month in the pandemic um there was a lot of a lot of outside support like new support um where everyone was just like support local support small so there was a really good month that I wasn't doing hair and that was actually keeping me afloat and and it was awesome because I never really liked to you know, um, dip into that part of my, you know, um, I guess financial stuff, but I felt like I had to, because I couldn't, you know, I wasn't doing it, you know, and, and there was just a lot of non-support from other, um, places. So yeah, like I, I feel like it almost turned around at some point 
during the pandemic. And then now it's kind of just back to doing, having its own thing and then hair being its own thing. So, so are you using any of the time that you're not working now? Have you started kind of shifting gears where you're putting more effort into she wolf than you had before, mostly probably because you just didn't have the time. Cause yeah. I know what it's like having two different jobs and trying sure. to split your time between the two. It's always a really delicate balancing act and there's always some demand for your time from one of them. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like the first few months I was really into it. I was just like all about it. It's like, this is great. Um, I'm staying busy. You know, I'm, I'm able to post more. I'm able to be a little more, um, I guess, alert when things come in or people ask questions and able to respond faster. So I kept pretty busy the first few months of uh, not working or not doing hair. And that really was uh, my saving grace for a lot of things. Um, and it was going really great. I had all these ideas. And then, you know, as time went by, it was almost just like, okay, I'm losing motivation. <laughs> um, I want to go back to work. <laughs> There's just a lot of things that kind of play into that. And I felt like it was definitely like a roller coaster of emotions and um, to have she wolf is like a baby. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that, um, you have to put a lot of attention into it. And, um, I was able to in the beginning and it kind of slowed down and then I kind of slowed down. So I feel like, um, there was ideas flowing and then there's just a lot of uh, world problems, uh, recently. So I tried to kind of shift my platform for something a little more important. And, um, I mean, not, you know, I just, more worldly issues. So I felt like, uh, I was able to kind of focus on that more. Um, and that just, it, it's great to have something like that where I can utilize my platform to be able to focus on things that can help the world. So as much as possible, I guess, from my behalf. So, um, I'm glad I had that. So, yeah. Okay. So have you made any progress on, um, I think I'd saw at some point that you were you were trying to get into the protective gear, but you were still researching um, like people who could do the sewing for you, I think, and maybe even some of the material sourcing. Um, have you made some headway on that or how's that coming along? I like I think when everything kind of started um, just during the, t the past few months, it's been really hard to kind of just I the motivation has really been there, but I'm, I'm all for it. I've looked into certain things. I mean, there's like a mushroom based leather that I've seen, which is really cool. There's like a pineapple based leather, um, that I've looked into. I mean, I'm trying to go more in that direction versus like a plastic source. Um, and I obviously want it to be durable and safe and, um, you know, fall friendly, <laughs> you know what I mean? So definitely protective. So, um, that's just kind of like, I mean, I know, I don't know a single thing about, um, I guess, making anything. I, I just have a visual, like a vision of what I want it to be. So, um, that's been my hardest part. I've been doing my own research as far as like reaching out to people that do so and that do make things. And I've been told that making gloves and things like that have been, it's like a specialty and it's just really hard to find everything that I'm looking for to mold into one. So, um, I haven't had any sudden progress from that. I just, I feel like I'm still kind of at this, like, like stuck I'm kind of stuck with it and I just it it gets frustrating and then I'm like okay I know there's a reason why I'm stuck it's probably because it can't be possible right now and uh I think that um I'm definitely not going to give up on it but as far as like progress goes I wouldn't say it's too far from where we left off um there was a friend I had who sewed and she did she had made like a prototype glove and uh for me based off a glove that she had and 
it was okay. Like she, she was like, I don't know about this. So she kind of gave up on that. And she's like, yeah, this is hard. Like you're right. And so I think that at least my mind's still focused on it and still sound. And I definitely am determined, but you know, slowly, but surely I hope. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I wonder, um, you know, I wonder how much she cry. It might be able to give you some advice because, um, uh, Tabitha, she learned to sew all on her own, basically, and she does like couture gowns and things yeah. like that now. And then she learned how to do the jackets. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they are super nice people, Tabitha and Kid. And I'm wondering if maybe if you guys got together and, and chatted, if they'd be able to point you at least in a, in a direction, because they, I doubt that they would be um, against giving you some advice if you wanted it. You yeah, know? I mean, that would be super cool. I listened to that episode. Um, of them and they seem like great people and uh, I actually went on and followed her from the she wolf account so um, cool. definitely inspired by that <laughs> doing great things for the community for sure yeah I mean you know one of the goals I have for the modern squid is to um, kind of talk to people who are outside of the typical like I don't know Dinah bro <laughs> aesthetic you know where they're just kind of talking about how much torque something has and um you know how fast it goes uh, sure. I mean, those are those are things that interest me too but i feel like there's just a million places to hear that information um mm -hmm. but for me i've always been a curious person so and, and i like small businesses and i like people that are trying to do something different um sure which is why I was happy that you agreed to talk to me because I was looking through your stuff and I was like, oh, another company <laughs> that, that's doing cool stuff. I, I like this, you know, I like Thank seeing you. people who have a passion for what they're doing and they just do it. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I feel the same way about that. I feel the same way about small business and um, brands and even starting something like this. Like it just opened my world to so many other things and other small brands and other woman owned brands and um, definitely people that I fully stand behind and that I respect and that are now great friends of mine that I never would have thought or never would have imagined, you know, if I didn't get into something like this. I mean, I feel like motorcycles definitely saved my life. <laughs> um, as far as it, there's, you know, there's so many things, great aspects of riding motorcycles. Um, like just, I feel like it's just saved a lot of people and that those are the people that I would say are really good friends of mine, just because we have so much to agree on when it comes to that. I mean, there's just such a passion involved with it. And it's not just, you know, the motorcycle itself. Um, there's a whole journey that goes with it. So. So why do you, why would you say that motorcycles saved your life in particular? I mean, I, I feel like I was, I'm such a workaholic. Like I work all the time and I, I put, a lot of my energy into that. And I didn't really have anything that I could say that I was, uh, um, I guess excited for besides that. Uh, I, I foster, so I do fostering and that was something that I was pretty passionate about. I'm still very passionate about, but, um, I didn't have, you know, there's just something missing. And, um, I feel like when my boyfriend started riding out here in California, when he moved out here, um, I was very inspired by that. And we'd go on little rides and it just does something to your mind that I can't, I mean, I'm sure you know um, that I can't really explain to people that don't ride. And I just feel like it's definitely, it was definitely my 
therapy, I would say, like if I felt a certain way or was stressed about work or, you know, upset about something in the foster system with animals um, or just anything in general, like I have something to escape to. And um, then I also can use it for something, you know, as far as um, meeting up with friends or enjoying the ride. And there's just a lot that it has done for me mentally um, or over physically sometimes. So I feel like it's just been a very good thing in my life. So when you say that you do fostering, are you talking about fostering animals or fostering animals. children? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I figured it was like, I was like, wait, it's animals. <laughs> it should be specific. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. How many fosters have you taken in so far, would you say? Do you know? Um, I would say it's about like six or seven. So I take a lot of breaks in between because it it's really hard. <laughs> There's so many times I wanted to keep every single animal that I've had and you get really attached, but, um, I like to advocate in different ways. I mean, I do a lot of online stuff. I mean, I'm on my personal page. I'm always talking about animals and, um, you know, adopt, don't shop. And I'm just a very firm believer of that. So I feel like fostering has just been a great thing for the animals. And, um, it's, great to be able to give them a home and a place to be comfortable and gain that confidence back in humans and be able to, you know, restore their faith. And I feel like finding them a home is like one of the best uh, feelings in the world to be able to give them that, you know? Yeah. So why do you think you, you are so passionate about animals? When do you think that started? I feel like I've always been connected to animals in a way. I've always had animals and like just growing up, there was always animals around me. And I just always felt drawn to their um, innocence and just the fact that they could do no wrong. I mean, they really don't, they, there's nothing you can really, you know, I feel like they're, they're not born to be, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a good way to say this. I feel like, they're just such innocent creatures and they don't really have any way to defend themselves. And I feel like as humans, we do, and, um, we can help people that are people and animals that are defenseless and, um, you know, show them if they've had a bad past or, um, I mean, they don't really know anything but us. And so I feel like if we can give them that life, I mean, I feel like that's their purpose is to give, they just give so much love back too, you know, and, they could do no harm. So I feel like that always attracted me. I'm such a sensitive person and I just, I just always want to give. So for me, I'm just like, these animals give me so much and I just want to show them that they're really special, you know? Mm-hmm. See, this is, um, this is something I think Harley could benefit from because at the moment there are a lot of people that still synonymize or see Harley Davidson riders as these sort of tough criminal enterprise, you know, groups. And then meanwhile, you've got someone like you who is the complete opposite. You know, you're very caring and sensitive and vegan, the opposite of so many preconceived notions about Harley riders. And I wish that they would capitalize more on that because I do like Harley more than some other companies, primarily because I feel like the owners actually love writing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, whereas some companies like BMW or Honda or Yamaha, the motorcycle business is just one more business segment in a giant conglomeration of business segments, you know, and same thing with like Suzuki and all, all the different brands really Harley in my mind is sort of the last brand left that has ownership that is connected with riding in a personal way. Um, You know, so I do wish them success. I think this new CEO is going to help them a lot, Um, but they have their issues. You know, they, they yeah. do have their issues. <laughs> yeah, I've seen certain things that they're like starting to come around on certain things. And I appreciate that. And um, I know that people that I know that ride Harleys are, you know, commenting things too. So I feel like there, I hope that there's someone out there listening and reading and listening to the actual writers. Cause it's like, it's a different world, you know, it's not the same as, you know, the old biker life, I guess. And um, definitely a lot of change that, that needs to happen. I think it starts from, you know, big, big brands like that for sure. Yeah. So I know that you mentioned that your aesthetic is the um, kind of horror vibe and you partner up with tattoo artists. Did you originally have a tattoo artist in mind whose artwork you thought would be a great fit or did you have an idea in mind for your aesthetic and then run across a tattoo artist and you go, Oh my gosh, this would be perfect for my line. It was a combination of both. Honestly, I felt like there was just kind of like a, like a natural flow that went with it. I mean, I did have an idea in mind and the first two shirts that I had created, I mean, were musical references and also just that the she wolf, the name itself. And I feel like the support your local is a very old school biker thing. So, um, with those first two designs, it was something that was just in my head and I could do Photoshop. I knew how to do that. So that was a simple task, but as far as like an actual logo goes, I had the exact girl in mind and she's actually a, a friend of mine that's tattooed me several times. So I felt like, um, she knew exactly like when I had told her, it was just like, Oh yeah, perfect. And she, she does these really great, um, like, girl head portraits and I just knew I wanted something that's actually if you see behind me that's like it's probably a little too far back but that's her design Stacy from uh Port City Costa Mesa and she um she nailed it like I didn't even need to give her a direction I was just like yeah something that looks something that represents she-wolf and you know motorcycles and wolves and whatever you know so she just nailed it completely so um yeah so a lot of it was just kind of like it kind of just flowed with that. And I had actually been given a gift from another tattoo artist and he's pretty, um, pretty known in the motorcycle community. His name's Howlin' Wolf, but his real name's Carlos. And he was, uh, he drew something for me and he just gifted it to me. And I was just like super stoked on the gift. And he was just like, you've been following me since the very beginning. And I just appreciate your support. So here's this for you and you can use it for whatever. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is perfect. And I've always been a true fan of his art. And, uh, yeah, I guess I had been following him for so long. We had like a good connection online and ended up doing his wife's hair for him. So, um, we just, I feel like that's how the motorcycle community works. I mean, it's very, um, it's very collaborative. It's very supportive of each other's art. And, uh, uh, I feel like that's, that's also how motorcycles saved my life. To be honest, I just feel like there's a lot of that, um, communication, just connections that means so much to me from this day forward. I mean, I feel like I, I can definitely say that I've, um, gotten closer to a lot of people that I truly respect and I'm grateful for that. 
So do you think that you would still ride um, as much as you do now if there wasn't the community aspect that you've come across? Or do you think that um, the deeper your ties go with the community, the more passion you have for motorcycles? I could see it both ways. I mean, I feel like I'm definitely, I don't ride as, as much as others. And I, I follow a lot of people that ride almost on the daily. And, um, I don't, sometimes I just wake up and I'm like, today's a good day for a ride and I'll get up and go. But I have people, friends that are just like, I'm going to ride every day. Every day that I ride is a good day. So I, I feel like my mindset's a little more of like definitely involved in the community. And, um, yeah, like I've said before, I'm shy, but when I get when I get to know people, I mean, I can really open up and uh, really connect because I'm just that kind of person that um, I guess kind of needs that. So I definitely feel like knowing and having a sense of community has drawn me closer to motorcycles, but I still like I said before, it's something about like being on an actual bike and taking off is just like it reminds me like, this is why I love this so much. Like, it's not just the people because when you ride, you're alone, you know, you're in your mm-hmm. own mind and you just, you kind of just go for it and you enjoy the time on the bike. So I don't, I don't think I asked you this, but why did you start riding for the first time? It was something that I, I had always been like my dad rode motorcycles and he, still kind of rides, but I ride a bit more than him now, <laughs> but he, uh, he had ridden and I was like, Oh, cool. Like if you ride a Harley, you're cool. Um, and then I actually didn't really get into like the idea of riding until I would, uh, I was passenger for, um, on my boyfriend's bike and we would just kind of do like little day trips, you know, up the coast. And I just, there was something to like, I felt great being on the bike, but I also didn't have a sense like I wanted to be the one controlling because I would just sit there like, I wonder what it feels like to actually be the one like riding this thing. And um, I kind of just brought up the idea to my boyfriend. I was like, hey, like I'm kind of interested in riding. What do you think? And he was like, yeah, let's find you bike. So that's kind of how it started. It was really just getting the experience and the feel of being on the back of a bike and just having that like, ex- like smelling things you've never smelled, you know, like driving in a car or seeing things that I never really noticed. And, um, you're just put out there, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a cool feeling. All right. So you were riding on the back, decided you want to give it a try actually riding one yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, what factored into your decision to go with that, uh, 1982 Honda CB125? Cause yeah, that's a 125 CC bike, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly it was actually, I had told a friend of mine that had ridden, um, and she was like, Oh, you got to look at small bikes. You have to, you know, find what works for you. And I was kind of under a certain budget and she had actually found the bike for me. And I, it was like a Craigslist ad and I just contacted them to see if the bike was around and, um, they're from Nevada. So like, you know, they agreed to meet up with us and it wasn't like a for sure thing. Like I was going to get the bike. Um, but I honestly, it was a perfect deal. Um, it was a great size. Uh, I just don't think that I could have found it anything, um, on both terms. And I was just, just kind of freaked out by the, by the weight 
aspect of it. I mean, just because I was brand new, I just like had only been on my boyfriend's bike at the time he rode a sportster and I thought that thing was huge. <laughs> I was just like, that is a big machine. Like, I don't know if I can ever handle this. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was just a big like size comparison. I was definitely intimidated at first, uh, but little by little, like I just got used to the ha- handling and, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I started on that bike, but I fell in love with it. And I wish I wouldn't have sold it, but fortunately had to get a new bike. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, did you spe- specifically seek out a Honda or were you just looking in a specific price range, which was more of a concern for you? It was more of like the style at first. I was like, I know the type of bike I would like to ride. And I, I had this, like, I'm going to be like a cafe racer, you know, CB style, you know, that's the kind of ride I want to be eventually. Maybe when I, Oh, froze again. (laughs) Sorry. That's all right. Luckily your audio was coming through. So. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I was just like, I wanted to be kind of like, you know, into that stuff. That's what I thought that like I was going to be into. And, um, so that's how I found the Honda. Cause I just, in my head, I was like, I want that, you know, um, and I thought I was going to have that bike for a little longer, um, but it wasn't freeway legal and I, I was ready to get on the freeway. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's probably hard to get around too much without a freeway. Sure. Um, okay. So then you got your Honda 125. Now, when you moved up to the shadow again, were you thinking sticking with Honda because you had a good experience or was it a matter of you were looking for bikes? That was the one in your price range that you thought looked the best. I fell in love with Honda as like, I, I mean, that 125 was my first experience of my very first bike. So it was just like, wow, Hondas are great. And I remember just like searching everything Honda and trying to kind of just like, you know, match my bike with cute patches and things, you know, uh, I just felt like a true Honda rider. And like, I really was into vintage motorcycles and, um, I loved everything about that. Um, so I kind of think it just went from there. So it was just like, you know, and, and, I tell somebody like I, I ride a Honda like oh so awesome so reliable great bikes easy to fix blah 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 so I feel like that was definitely like oh I'm in a good position like you know I could eventually work on my own bike and I'll be great I'll be set for life because I also heard the whole Harley like oh you know not reliable can break down whatever so um when I got the shadows like this is what I'm doing like Honda is my thing so I kind of just stuck with the Honda thing and yeah it was mostly um didn't really get the I got the opportunity to ride the Harley and that's kind of what changed my my world (laughs) my entire world (laughs) so what do you think um what do you think was the difference between riding the Hondas versus riding the Harley that really struck you the power yeah so much difference of the power and I don't know if it was a jump from a 700 to you know an 883 I don't really know if that really was it but there was this like like rumbling like purring sound that the Harley gave and the feel was like a little smoother and I don't know like I I jumped on that bike and I was really intimidated by the weight factor but I just took off and I was just like oh my gosh like I this is what I've been missing and um I took it up and down the street and I just couldn't believe that that's what I was maybe supposed to be feel like I just I felt that difference immediately like <laughs> and I came back like I want to take this bike home <laughs> um yeah it was a really good feeling and um I just I still remember that day, like, like I couldn't stop thinking about the bike. Like I need this bike. So 
how much um how much influence did the sound have on you when you were writing it and decision making because some people hate a loud bike and some people love it now guessing by the fact you took out baffles you like a loud bike but um was that part of the decision making process when you heard it for sure for sure I felt like it just like the power in general, just feeling the sound, hearing the sound. I mean, it rumbled perfectly. Like there was just definitely that is like what attracted me to it. Just sitting on the bike, feeling it, you know, riding it down the street. I just, there was just, everything was so different than what I was writing originally. And I feel like that's what changed it forever for me. And um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I, um, I started off on a 125cc Skyler. Um, I've tried to Google Skylers before and I can't find them, but I have a video of myself riding it. Um, but when I was in Nicaragua visiting my friend, he um, he had this little 125 Skylar and he taught me how to ride um, on that. And then so when I got back to the US, I went and took my MSF course and I learned on a um, Honda, I think it was a Honda Rebel. Nice. Honda Rebel, Honda Shadow, one of the two. And I actually, I, I had so much fun on that little 125cc. It got me hooked on motorcycles forever. And <laughs> the Honda in the MSF course, I thought was a lot of fun to ride too. But I will say when my Harley was delivered to the house, because I've got an Iron A83. Nice. And I started that thing up and took my first ride on it. I was just so, <laughs> you know, I was so yeah. in love. Um, yeah. It's it's hard to describe, right? Because you know? I mean, I'm not really a power person. Like, I don't really care much about speed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the sound and the way it felt to ride, like the the even the vibrations. I even liked the vibrations. Like, I felt like I was on a machine, like a very analog thing. Yeah, you know, and loved it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, it's all right. That's all right. I'm excited. It's like it's it was really weird because I felt. This like might be weird to say, but I felt like I was a real writer. Like I just felt so like official, um, not because it's Harley, but just because of the feel. Like every single thing that um, I experienced that moment, I was just like, "This is it!" Like this is what people talk about when they talk about that feeling of writing. Like I'm feeling it now. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. So when you learned to ride, did your boyfriend teach you? Did you take a, um, a basic writer course? How did that come about? When I got the 125, I'd actually gotten that before I took the safety course um, because I'm, I'm like, it takes me a while. I'm a very visual learner. So I feel like I had to get the feel and the basics down before I actually took the course. I'm a very bad, like, um, like written test kind of person. Like I, I just, my mind goes everywhere and it's hard for me to concentrate. So I wanted to get the other stuff down and be able to practice and just take the time to study on what I need to. So, um, I felt like I definitely had to go that direction. So I bought the bike He kind of, um, I had bought the bike. He put out like cones for me and he kind of just did all the safety course, tests just so that I can get comfortable on the maneuvering and everything. Not too much uh, later than that. I felt like a hundred times better because there's people that obviously didn't make it, didn't show up the next day or um, people that had fallen and I, you know, or didn't even know how to start the bike. And I just didn't want to have that like fear <laughs> built up before I even got on the bike. So I felt like I, 
I, I definitely benefited from buying the bike, taking the course and, you know, going from there. Okay. So do you have any plans on taking more courses or have you taken any other courses since then? I haven't. I, I wanted to take like the advanced course. I know that some companies offer that. And I think that would be very beneficial, especially riding in California where traffic can be out of control because we can late split, you know, we just, there's just a lot more going on out here. I feel so I definitely feel I could benefit from that. Um, and I would love to learn how to dirt bike. I know that's off topic, but I've never learned that. And I, I've heard there's things in dirting like that you can learn to help with certain things too on the road. So. Yeah, I've heard that everyone who rides on the street should learn to ride a dirt bike because you start to learn how to deal with loss of traction, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more of a safe environment than the freeway. For so. sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, I, I definitely have plans to try to learn to ride in the dirt as well, because I've never ridden a dirt bike Um but I, I think it looks like a lot of fun. The hangup I have is kind of twofold right now. One is I just bought one bike, so I don't want to go buy a dirt bike now right. after that. And the second <laughs> thing is I hear that a lot of dirt bikes, the maintenance intervals are measured in hours versus miles. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you got like, I don't know how many, how many hours before you have to do an oil change. And it's like, that's a lot of wow. oil changes. <laughs> out for day all day <laughs> have to get an oil change for sure i know that there's some courses that like you can actually learn on their bikes and then eventually decide if you want to invest in a bike and be out there so yeah i just know myself um <laughs> yeah. and i think it looks like a lot of fun and i can't imagine that it's going to be less fun doing it than thinking about it so for sure i totally get that i think you mentioned that your boyfriend's in a band how uh, how have things been going for him now that there's not really you can't really tour unless it's outdoor, right? No, he. It, it's actually kind of funny because the day that um, he was the day that he got kind of canceled <laughs> was he was about to leave for tour the day of, and he got the call as half of his band they're not from the state, so they flew in here and they're doing like a California tour and. Um, they're on their way to come get him. And they had just told him like, Hey, we don't know. There's stuff going on. We'll get back to you. And then within half an hour, he had gotten the word that um, one of the shows had gotten canceled and stay tuned. And um, within an hour of each other, you know, just, you know, it was just like, Oh, now this show's canceled. Now this show's canceled. Oh, you know, the whole tour is canceled. So it was a really busy time for his band because uh, he's, it's kind of like an Irish based punk rock band. So um, it was in March. So, their biggest shows were, you know, towards uh, St. Patrick's Day and everything. Yeah. Unfortunately, he was affected by that greatly. And um, so was his, uh, you know, like road crew and uh, management and just a lot of people were affected by it. And it, it definitely um, hit a little hard uh, because it was like the artists, you know, the musicians, the hairstylists. I mean, we were both affected by it. And for a while we were like home, like, what are we doing? What is this? What's going to happen? We just had a lot of unknown, um, unanswered questions. So I felt like there was a really weird time <laughs> at the beginning and, uh, eventually, you know, there was a support that came around and, um, it's been a little hard. He, he has a full-time job besides it. So he's able to like go work. And then when he tours, he tells them like, Hey, I'm going to be off these days. So they're very, um, they're very lenient with like his schedule and they understand. So, um, so yeah, unfortunately it hit him and his band and 
they were greatly affected, but, you know, so were a lot of our other friends that are also in bands or, you know, um, on the road traveling with bands and things like that. So it definitely took a hit. The music industry is just, it's been very, very sad, but I can say that all the, you know, online acoustic sets and, um, you know, at home quarantine music videos made have definitely made my day. And it's great that we can actually support them in other ways, like contributing to their funds or being able to um, purchase any merchandise to help the crew and things like that. So. Okay. So are you, do you guys live together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So how has, um, how's the relationship been? Cause I know some folks, quarantine put a lot of strain because there's just like that constant togetherness which some people love and some people are more independent so how's that been affecting you guys um it's actually been not too bad because there was a few weeks um i would say like a full month that i was home um and he well we were both home together and that was a little weird because it was almost like a i have learned to be like i've learned to be really independent. Um, I've always been an independent person, but like in relationships, it's like we were always, you know, in past relationships, you're always together. So you have that like, you know, um, reliable, like, I don't know, you're just always reliant on the individual, but I've become independent with this relationship because it's like, he would travel all the time and we long distance, you know, when he lived in Texas. So that kind of like was a completely different experience for me. And I've learned to be super independent through this relationship. And I love it. <laughs> I love my time. I love having things to, you know, do for myself and um, seeing my friends and family when I can on, you know, just having alone time with them is really special. So um, it, it definitely was a little weird for about a month. And then we kind of like, he was able to go back to work because his business or his where he worked was deemed essential. So he was able to go back and do that. And, um, I was still kind of home for a little bit and then I was able to go back to work and then we had to close down again. So it wasn't too bad. It didn't affect us too much. And we kind of do our own thing when we're here anyways. <laughs> so it, it helps a lot too. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, it's a sort of similar situation with my girlfriend and I, we, uh, we live together and we're both working from home now and, um, it really hasn't done much really you know i mean both of us are, are uh, somewhat independent and we kind of do our own thing and um yeah yeah i was i was really happy that we didn't want to kill each other after the first 30 days you know what i mean because <laughs> you never know yeah you don't and yeah because any kind of like home dynamic can change like that you're just you're not prepared for it. and if things have been great the way they were it's like how do you know it's going to be fine when you're home or <laughs> I can't imagine people with children that have to do it and both work from home or you know if one has to work elsewhere and one's not used to working from home I mean I know that changes a lot and I, I know that it's hard in that case too so um, I have certain clients that have dealt with that too and I just can't imagine <laughs> for sure oh, and there's just so much stress with the world right now you know i mean especially if you don't know what's going to happen with your job or your band or whatever you know this the whole idea of the unknown is so scary for people that it can really raise uh stress levels and as you know some people handle stress differently and they end up fighting and some people um, are able to manage it better so Sure. It's good to know. I think this is like a good trial run for couples. Um, it's like if you can't stand 30 days together, maybe not, maybe you no, know, put any kind of marriage plans in the future. You know what I mean? Like you should yeah, be able to stand 30 days with your significant other. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those. I'm, I'm 
glad we're, we've made it through so far. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you did mention that your family rides, but primarily the men until you found out about the ants, I believe, yeah. or the two ants, right? So what did your parents think about you riding your own motorcycle? Um, my mom is very like worrisome. She just freaks out about anything. So I feel like for her, she's just like, you're going to go on a ride. What? Like, I don't understand why. And, um, she's definitely one of the ones that is very, uh, concerned, <laughs> but, um, I think she's gotten used to it and definitely understands that, Hey, I'm being careful. I'm not writing like a jerk. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very cautious and I know that it's not just what I, you know, have control of, but she understands that, like, I take it pretty seriously and it's something that I, I love doing. So, um, she's always just like, okay, let me know if I, if I check in with her, like just text me when you get somewhere, if I'm going on like a long trip or anything like that. So, um, she just likes to kind of stay in touch. So, um, she gets it. And my dad just, he, I feel like he's more of like the I don't know. My dad's always been the type, like girls can't do that. And <laughs> always just been like, watch me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it better than you dad. Just watch. So I'm very like, uh, we kind of clash in that sense, but, um, quick side note, my dad does professional wrestling and he owns a company and, um, all my life I wanted to wrestle. Um, and I was never allowed to, cause I was a girl and, uh, it's just really weird how that has changed. And, um, I've always told myself like, you know, once I get the chance to do something that I want to do, I'm never going to not do it. And, um, you know, my dad's a good guy, but I feel like his way of upbringing and just things that he, you know, was told that wasn't right growing up, I feel like things have changed. So I kind of just tell him like, Hey, it's a different world, but I'm doing my thing. So I think he gets it now and he understands. Okay. So does he, but does he actively tell you not to ride or did he just say he didn't think you could? I think it was, uh, he didn't think I could, but yeah, he doesn't really like comment on me writing. Like I'll tell him I'm going on a ride or, or I did this and he's like, Oh, cool. So I don't think he really, <laughs> it really affects him. Have you guys ever ridden together? No. And that's something I would really like to do. Uh, but he makes up excuses about his bike and, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think that there's a fear in him and I haven't brought it out, you know, brought it up to him because I feel like he doesn't like to talk about it, but I feel like something happened and he's like freaked out or something because every time I'm like, get your bike, you know, let's go out, let's do something. He's like, Oh yeah, uh, I need this. And I'm like, okay, well, if you don't want to ride, let's, you know, let's save it for another time. But I would love to ride with him. I think that would be really cool. And I think that would be a good part, a good thing for our relationship. Definitely. Okay. What does he ride? He has a Harley and I've actually, I, I think it's a, a fat boy from what I remember him saying. I haven't seen it. Um, that's how much he wants to ride. <laughs> he hasn't even shown me pictures. So I think he has a fat boy, but I'm not exactly sure. And I don't know the year because I haven't seen it either. I wouldn't know either way. But um, yeah, um, all I know is that it's red. And <laughs> I hope that he one day gets on his bike and can go somewhere. It'd be really cool. Um, did you say he lived in Texas or, or is he living in California or he lives in California? Yeah. He lives in California. Okay. So you guys could ride. Yeah, we totally could. <laughs> I think oh, he's, okay. I, I don't know. I think he's kind of scared. I think something happened and he won't tell me because he doesn't want to. So I'm just like, come on, dad, let's do it. Let's go somewhere. You can borrow Pete's bike. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I'll leave that for later, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. bring it up another time. So do you have any siblings? I do. I have two older brothers, 
Um, we're pretty far apart. I mean, I'm eight years from the oldest and four from the um, middle child and I'm the baby. So. Okay. Do they ride? They don't ride. They don't ride. No, they don't. They, they wrestle, but they don't ride. (laughs) Um, yeah, they don't even know where I got it from. I mean, I would say my dad, but I also don't, you know, because my boyfriend rides more than my dad did. So I feel like I probably got inspired from him for sure, but yeah, they don't ride. So have you ever considered joining jujitsu or something and then choking your dad the next time you saw him? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I can totally show him up and, you know, show him something and he'll just be like to- totally in shock. Um, no, I haven't, but I've, I, when I was in high school, I did cheer and um, I do, you know, the tumbling and everything. And I always just wanted to like show him up in the ring and be like, look, I can do this really cool tumbling move and like drop kick somebody or, you know, I don't know, like incorporate that into this and, you know, just like totally show, show him. But I just, I never did that. So. Okay. Well, it's never, it's never too late to do jujitsu. So true, true. I mean, now it's too late because nothing's open, but (laughs) are your brothers in California too? Yeah, they're here. Oh yeah. Cause they wrestle. Do they wrestle with your dad's company? Yeah. Um, they haven't really been active for, I think it's been about a year that they've been inactive. Um, they do a lot of like touring, uh, touring shows the last shows that they did I think was like a there was an event out here the Sabroso Fest and it was like a um like a music and food festival and they were asked to come and do um some event within the festival so um I think that's like the big the last like big event they had done but it's mostly like lucha libre style like mexican style wrestling with like Mm -hmm. americanized slash like japanese style wrestling so it's got a whole twist of things so it's pretty cool but i've been around it my entire life so um yeah so they're not doing too many shows obviously now but so does he have another job aside from that or is that his primary income he does auto upholstery so he does a lot of like uh custom seat building or just any kind of like upholstery if someone needs like you know furniture done so he does that he sews that's the funny thing he sews and he's one of the people that I actually um he makes costumes for like the wrestlers too and I have actually reached out to him about um glove gloves making. he was just like yeah that's impossible <laughs> I'm just like you make gloves too but he works with very fine materials so definitely like not the category that like I'm looking for but yeah he's he's one of them all right, so you have an in. If you ever want a custom seat for the uh, the, the, the sportster, then yeah, totally, yeah, for sure. I'm like, I got to get him to do it for sure. Have you ever have you ever thought about putting one of your designs on a seat or something and having totally. having him do that for you? I I think about it all the time, and I'm just like, I want to bug him, but then I feel like I don't know. Just I, I definitely want to do something like that, but I have to invest a really good seat first. I feel like when anything that comes to motorcycles, like I put my motorcycle last because I put she will first. And, um, I don't know. That's just how it is with me right now. So, yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense. You know, I mean, she, she wolf is, uh, you know, is a passion of yours along with motorcycles. And I mean, motorcycles having a new seat is obviously cool, but, um, you know, just having a bike in general is, is already cool. Heck yeah. (laughs) For sure. So what, uh, do you have any new um, items getting ready to launch for She-Wolf? Or? I do. I have something pretty small. I have some patches coming in. Um, we have this logo that we used to uh, carry. It was a t-shirt logo, and it says Ghouls to the Front. And um, I'm making them into patches, so that's our next 
small launch. Um, we just came out with those unity t-shirts. I don't know if you'd seen them, mm-hmm. um, but that was for, um, hundred percent of the proceeds to be donated. Um, but we don't really have anything super new in the works. There's a few things that I have in mind. Uh, it's just really hard because I don't design things myself. I just have these ideas and I tell somebody and, um, I have to like kind of rely on that being done, but there are a few things that are like in the process of being in the works, but not necessarily locked down yet. So hopefully those come soon. And I'm pretty excited for those. I just, I want them to happen, but just everything's just kind of been on a halt due to the pandemic. So um, were you making a lot of your sales through um, like the motorcycle events where you guys would show up and set up a booth and um, do that thing? Or were you more mostly online anyway? Uh, Both. I I think there's like that, like there was a really good time where we were pretty busy online and um, it was we were staying steady. And, and I think it also has to do with being active online. So, um, it's all what I put out there. And I noticed that like a lot of my, um, I guess crowd, a lot of attention we get is after I post something. So definitely get, you know, um, I get action there, but a lot of it is from doing like the booth stuff. Um, we've been able to do the SoCal cycle swap, um, every month for the past few months. And then before the pandemic, uh, we had done that for a few months and that was a very successful event for us is, um, I feel like that really helps boost, you know, um, I guess the support and it also introduces new people to the line where they see it and they're like, I didn't know this existed. Like, where are you from? And, you know, you get a lot of like in-person, you know, transactions. So I feel like that kind of helps the company a lot. And I notice a lot more attention after that as well online. So and did, did you guys attend any of the vegan festivals or was it primarily motorcycle uh, events? No, I'm, I'm like, it's really weird because I'm kind of scared to dip into that or like, yeah, I, it's like a new, completely new category. And I wanted to eventually get into like, horror conventions and festivals and also dip into the vegan part of it but I haven't really mastered like my approach for that yet I feel like I kind of wanted to come out with some kind of reliable gear first to be able to be like well we are a vegan company because of this not only do we donate to animals and we stand up for animal rights and you know things like that but we also do this so um, I feel like with motorcycles because the main focus is motorcycles um, I feel like that's just kind of been my comfort but I would definitely like to reach out to more um, communities and kind of attract uh, other people that way because I I've like I said I've I know like people that don't ride that support and like my stuff you know like the line but um you know they don't know if they can wear it because they don't know you know they're like I don't ride I want to support you and I'm like you don't have to ride to support like it's kind of just you know it has a anybody could could support so um haven't dipped into that yet but I'd like to because personally I think that your designs um are just cool on their own. You know, like you said, you don't have to ride motorcycles to, to wear the brand. And I mean, you're a vegan, so I don't have to explain it to you, but (laughs) vegans like to support vegans. Right. And so if you combine cool designs, which you have with people who are looking actively for other vegan companies to support, I think it'd be a good fit personally, but obviously you're more entrenched in the, uh, you know, community than I am. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's hard too, because it's like, we don't have like, we are a vegan company, but a lot of our stuff don't say vegan on it. And I know a lot of vegan people want to see vegan stuff saying vegan stuff. So, um, I feel like that's kind of like something that like I could maybe focus, I could probably gear like a different, um, type of line when I reach out to the vegan aspect, it, just because I, you know, a lot of my logos or designs don't necessarily say, Hey, I'm vegan. So that's another thing. And, you know, I don't know if that's like what people would be interested in, but you know, I thank you for the compliment on the designs. I think that's, um, yeah, that's what attracts like people in the motorcycle community. I just don't know what the vegans, if they're like, Oh yeah, but how do you know this is supported? You know, I don't know. I just, there's just a lot of things I have to, I guess, try and do it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I understand. Um, like I said, I was part of a few forums and I could see people getting ripped apart, you know, cause even vegans can't always agree on what's vegan or not, <laughs> you know? And, uh, it's, I don't know. I'm sure that not all vegan groups are like this, but for me, one of the reasons that it was hard to stay vegan, uh, number one was my body wasn't agreeing with it. It was just like wrecking me. Um, but number two, the, um, they, the constant fighting in these groups that are supposed to be filled with like caring and sensitive people uh, was really getting to me because, right. you know, right. I, I'm like you in that I'm, I, uh, I care a lot about the animals and I care a lot about people and um, trying to be nice to each other and, and all that kind of stuff. And when you're in this group that's supposed to espouse similar ideas and all you're seeing is fighting, it becomes kind of a, um, a more stressful thing than a beneficial thing. Right. If that makes sense. Right. So. And that's kind of something I'm not necessarily prepared for because I'm very, I'm so in tune with the support that I get from the motorcycle community that dipping into like, you know, the vegan part of it, that's a little more like political, like people get really into the vegan part of it. And yeah, I'm vegan and yeah, we're a vegan company, but you know, there's going to be people that are going to break me down to the core of the thread of the t-shirt and like, yeah, I'm hundred percent cotton, pretty sure. But it's like, how could you, you know, it's just like little things like that, where I'm just like, you can't control everything. And it's, it's, you help where you can. And that's how I see veganism. Like every day is a start with, you know, how you said that you, your girlfriend had fallen back on things. And, um, that's okay because you could, your next meal can be vegan. Like that's, that's the thing that you like, is kind of a constant reminder to me. Like, um, if you choose to go out and eat at a restaurant and you accidentally, somebody actually serves you, you know, a restaurant that has both vegan options and regular options. And they accidentally serve you something that's not vegan. Like you bite into that. Oh no. Does that make you like not vegan anymore? Like those are things that like go on in my mind as far as like how veganism can be where there are a lot of bullies there, um, you know, um, in the, in the community. And I have a hard time with that. Cause I'm just like, I'm just doing my thing. Like I believe in all this and yeah, I am vegan, but you don't, you know, you can't put everything on it. You can't just say, you know, you're not being fair because of this. It's like, you have every moment to start over, you know, you have, you try again the next day or the next it is. So I feel like it's what you make out of it. I don't necessarily think you have to be so much into, you know, the actual, um, vegan movement i think it's mostly about just focusing on what you can do to for veganism and for animal rights so i think that's what it's about and you know I, i'm never the type to give anyone crap because they're not vegan or you know or my boyfriend's not vegan at all he eats meat so it's like i don't tell him what to eat you know so it's just 
those are little things that I think is hard for me to transition into like the vegan aspect of that part is being able to like, I guess being like, you know, dealing with those questions or being bullied because I possibly wear, you know, vegan or leather gloves when I ride. So. Yeah. Well, I think that sometimes it's a matter of just losing the forest for the trees because they get so ingrained. And this isn't just vegans. This is anything where people get really passionate about a subject. Sometimes they get so focused on the details that the bigger picture gets lost. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's studies that show even going one day a week without meat can make a big impact on the environment. You know, so instead of celebrating the fact that people are, you know, going multiple days without eating animal products, they're focused on the mistakes that might get made. And for me, it's, you know, it's, it's, of course, it's important that everyone is kind of um, educated in the things that they're trying to do. At the same time, there's got to be some, some reality that no one's perfect and expecting perfection is unreasonable. You know, whether it's, I mean, that's sure. the same thing with, with gear, right? Like, I think that uh, people who don't wear a helmet, you know, or don't wear a full face helmet, I, I think that that's kind of crazy, you know, but at the same time, you know, they're their own person, they got to make their own sure. decisions. And, um, you know, like, even if they're just wearing a skull cap, that's still better than wearing nothing. You know what I mean? I agree. I think everything in moderation, you know, and, and with it. Um, being mindful and being educated. Like, I think those are all things and key factors to um, being open to new ideas and um, realizing that it's not just about, you know, um, whatever it is, it's not just about the belief system. It's about like, you know, it could be environmentally, you know, sustainable or could be um, just uh, good for your health. You know, it's so many factors that play into it. And I think people need to um, be open to that, you know, and in every subject and every aspect. So just, you know, yeah. I like the, I like the whole rule where it's like, just be kind to each other totally. as much as possible. Just be My nice. It's like, don't be a dick. Like, just yeah. don't be a dick. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> That's right. There's no need, no need to be a jerk about anything. It's just nothing is uh, that serious to be so set on. I mean, you know. Yeah, life is way too short, um, you know, and we all have our own struggles and there's no real reason to make anyone's life more difficult. Entirely. I think we could all be guilty of that sometimes because we play into our own head a lot and we kind of um, take that and use it as like a defense mechanism sometimes. And I think it's just, yeah, you don't know anyone else's struggles and you don't know um, what we're all going through. So I feel like it's just super great to be mindful of that and um, be open to new, new things. Yeah. So I know um, to switch gears real quick, cause I know we've been getting kind of deep into the, the vegan side of things, sure. but um, I think I had even sent you this question before, but if there were, what do you think were the five most difficult things about with like finding women's writing gear or just about women's writing gear in general, whether it's the fit, the, you know, availability, the sizing, like, what do you think, what were the five hardest parts? Um, I would have to go with like style for sure, because I mean, 
I like to feel, I, you know, I think it's like that mindset of look good, feel good kind of thing. So definitely style, definitely fit, um, the feel, um, there's certain textures and things that I'm uncomfortable with. And when I'm writing, I want to be at my most comfortable. So it's hard to, uh, find certain things that you just don't feel right. Or, you know, the arms are too short and you can't reach the handlebars or, um, you know, or something's way too hot. Um, and you can't feel comfortable, you know, I guess in weather, different weathering types. And I just feel like, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So definitely style, fit, comfort. Um, yeah, I would say like all of the above for sure when it comes down to that. Cause I, I know that if I had a jacket that was more comfortable and fit well and looked good, I would much rather be wearing that than something that I knew <laughs> sometimes. I mean, even though I'm all about the gear, I just feel like if I didn't have gear that didn't fit me correctly or didn't look right or didn't feel right, I, I wouldn't be about it. Um, but I'm, fortunate to have found gear that I I'm comfortable with wearing. I just, I feel like it's, it's hard. It's few and far between like, you know, to find that, but there are a lot of women brands out there now that do support, support that. Um, and I'm grateful for that too. Cause I feel like if it weren't for them, I would be super, I would be at a loss and I'd probably still be wearing leather jackets. So. Yeah. Okay. So if you had to pick two or three things about your current Harley, that are your absolute favorite things about it, what would you say they were? Hmm. I would have to say, uh, I guess I could say that I appreciate that a lot of my parts are from our hand-me-downs from a friend of mine. Um, so I really appreciate that the motorcycle community is able to help out where it, it needs to. And when I was modifying my bike um, to my liking, I felt like there were certain parts I needed and I had friends that had it. So I like that a lot of my parts come from somebody that, you know, um, basically contribute to um, that. So I really like that. And um, I would also have to say the work that I put into like just anything, um, I like that I can actually work on my bike and uh, feel connected to it that way. So those would be my two favorite parts about it. I read that you went to Babes Right Out and you had a fantastic time. Tell me about that experience. That was amazing. I mean, I've been to two since and um, I could just, I feel like from the ride there to the, just the connections that you get when you're there. There's just like a sense of empowerment that like totally takes over you. And you just like you, when you're there, you feel like you could just cry because you're so like stoked to be there. And the fact that all these women are there for the same thing and you're all just as passionate about it. And when you explain, you know, motorcycles to people that don't ride, being a baby is like what it feels like. You get there, make it, you're it, like it's exactly what I've been feeling the whole time and all these women know exactly how that feels and we can all agree on one thing and um it's, it's you know specifically and it's definitely the the feeling that you get with motorcycles and um yeah it was great I mean just the connections that you get closer to the people that you know if you do ride in a group you get closer and you meet a ton of new people there too and um they just have a lot to offer to the community. And I feel like it's exactly what we've needed that just that like support that you don't get anywhere else. So how did you hear about babes right out? And why did you decide that it's something that you wanted to do? 
I heard about Babes on a, actually, I'm trying to think of where I originally heard about Babes. I think I've actually, I knew about Babes before I started to ride, but I had been following some women writers. So when I had seen their posts, I saw that they had gone to Babes and, um, the girls that I had followed had been at the first babes and, you know, from there on. So seeing their photos and like living, kind of trying to like live through vicariously through them like that, that was just like, Oh my gosh, like I was kind of craving, you know, that whole experience on my own. And, um, then when I started to ride, I felt like, um, I felt like that was like what you work, look forward to. Um, I think I started to ride in, um, trying to think of the month, but I think it was the summer and I had a few months for babes and I just wanted to like really be prepared and ready to go. And I, um, think I actually missed out on the first year of riding for babes because I had my, um, my shadow at the time and I just didn't feel confident enough and I just didn't want to go with the shadow. And I just, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, I wasn't ready for it. And then the year after I was just like more than excited because I had met friends and I had, you know, known a few people. And then we kind of got a little group together and we rode together. And, uh, yeah, I think that whole experience was just something that you like only dream about. Okay. So that's how you heard about it. Now, um, living vicariously through the folks on, uh, I'm assuming Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Instagram. Okay. And then also following like that wild line where they would talk about babes. Um, and then also there was a women's motorcycle podcast. I don't know if that you're aware of them, no. but they had interviewed, it's called girl in a moto and they had actually interviewed, um, the two, uh, women Anya and Ashmore that had put babes right out together. So I heard their episode and I, I think that was actually after I had gone to babes, but, um, just, just, basically online stuff that I would follow and just like be really stoked on. Okay. So you heard about it through there um, and it was on your radar, but why did you decide that like group ride or group camping trip would be something that you wanted to do? Was it, um, were you still at that time trying to meet more women who rode bikes or did you just see the community online and like it so much that you just thought you couldn't see not being a part of it? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was just like being inspired by the other women and seeing how much fun they had. And there was just such like an uplift from, you know, seeing these videos and these um, awesome, hearing about these awesome experiences and talking to um, women that had gone and just telling me that it's the best time of their lives. And I just wanted to feel it. I wanted to experience that full, full, full force. And um, I think that's what made me look forward to it a lot more uh, just just hearing all these stories and things that happened at babes and how epic it was and seeing people post about it and write about it. Like, honestly, a lot of people wrote about what babes was to them. And, um, a lot of the women that I had met through like the leaders groups, um, rode to babes the year before I rode and they're like the best of friends. And I just, they, they all got connected and uh, got close because of babes. So I think the camping aspect of it really gets you, you know, to be closer to people and, uh, you kind of just experience, uh, motorcycles in a different way too, from that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know that some people hate camping. Some people don't like group rides and, um, and yet they'll still go. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, well, some people decide <laughs> separately. Like you can, I've had friends that show up on their own, you know, they just meet us there that night and there's people that rent, uh, you know, Airbnbs or they get hotel rooms and they'll come and hang out at babes all day and then they'll head home to their rooms. And I think that's kind of cool. I'm actually like possibly trying to do that next time next year. Um, only because I love the whole aspect, like the whole idea of camping. I think that whole, you know, making your food in the morning on the, you know, on the grill, whatever, whatever it may be. I like, I like waking up early to the sun and, um, you know, all that stuff is great, but, um, I was freezing. <laughs> I was so cold and you can only pack so much on your bike and not everyone has the luxury of having a friend have a huge truck loading extra blankets and things that you need. So um, when you do motorcycle camping, you have to be very prepared for it. And I can tell you that both years, I thought I was more prepared the second year than the first and it was just the same. And we actually had like a tent that was big enough for six girls and um, I thought, you know, body warmth, we'll, we'll stay warm, just like, you know, <laughs> being super close to each other. And um, yeah, you need like a, you know, a mat to go under your sleeping bag. And then you have to like sleep with clothes that you didn't wear that day because you're holding on to the moisture. So I had all these like little tips and tricks to like keep myself warm. I was still so cold and so was everybody else. And I just, I don't know if I can handle that. I know some people don't care and deal with it, but I couldn't sleep. And that actually happened to me the year before. I couldn't sleep the night. Um, the first night I was so cold that I didn't sleep at all. And the next day we rode to um, the um, the resort or the camp out was in Joshua Tree and we rode to Pappy, Pappy and Harriet's. It's like a local bar and hangout. And I was like, dangerously like kind of swerving and kind of like falling asleep on my bike because I was just so beat and I didn't realize it that I had to head back to the campsite and take a nap because I was just like so out of it and I couldn't believe that it had affected me that much and I was super bummed about it but it didn't make or break my my experience it was just more like a I need to get better sleep so definitely prepared me enough a little bit for the next year but still still really freaking cold (laughs) so was babes your first time camping no, I just, it's been a long time. I mean, last okay. time I camped, I had enough blankets and, you know, it was just a different experience. I think motorcycle, it's my first time motorcycle camping. So yeah, there was a lot of that. And like people tell, tell you, oh, it's really cold. It's this. And you're like, Oh, I'm good. I'll deal with it when I get there. And I just thought I would be fine. And, um, and no, it was just, it wasn't the, yeah, that was probably the only downside of it, but that's what camping is. So I know that it's just like having to deal with it and then wanting to ride the next day, you better be prepared. So, well, I only ask because, um, I, I like to camp too, but I've learned slowly over the years, you know, through mistakes, um, about camping. And so you know, you're talking about a six person tent. Um, one of the things that, you know, I've learned through camping over the years is that you really want a tent that is the smallest possible to accommodate the number of people you're going to have, uh, because that keeps the heat in. And, um, that I used to think that sleeping bag ratings were what they were rated for as in for comfort, but it's actually just what you won't die at. (laughs) So level. Yeah. So if you have, um, you know, a sleeping bag rated for 40 degrees, then when I first bought, when I bought my first sleeping bag, I thought that meant if you were going to be camping in 40 degree weather, you'd be warm, but that's not the case. It just means you won't die at 40 degrees. <laughs> um, but if you want to be comfortable, you want like a 20 degree sleeping bag. If you're going to be sleeping in 40 degree weather, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
For sure. Yeah. And that's hard. That's a hard way to learn too when you're there and you have your, your sleeping bag. That's all you have. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> for, for sure. Yep. And uh, the thing is I didn't even learn it the first time I went. So I had the sleeping bag and I would go, go camping. I'm like, why am I always so cold? Right. You know, (laughs) that's when I started Googling and I was like, oh, that's because my sleeping bag will just keep me alive in the temperatures (laughs) that I'm, you know, taking it into. Uh, Because like you, I was bringing some blankets too. like the next time I went camping, I brought blankets and like pull them up over my sleeping bag. For sure. But then as soon as I swapped out, like I bought a new sleeping bag, it's now I'm toasty. Now I overheat. Yeah. No, it's like, oh, man, I I got to unzip the side (laughs) and vent this thing out. I'd rather be that way than have to like sit there and suffer because I hate being cold. So I'm just like, Ugh, this sucks. <laughs> this is a real yeah. Well, I'm with you. That's why I live in Arizona. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. So um, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask and, oh, nope. Gosh, I keep forgetting that I wanted to bring up the fact that you hosted a shelter ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Um. Do you have plans to host another one when all this stuff is done or, you know, was it a one-off thing? Yeah, no, that was actually um, something that I wanted to start doing more of. And I actually wanted to, um, with the places that we donated to, um, the charities or the rescues, I actually wanted to visit each place um, that was local enough to get got for like a day ride. And um, a lot of things just kind of happened, like weather conditions or just like certain places were so far out of reach that you had to like travel and like miles of gravel um, to get to like just, you know, really far off uh, areas. But um, I definitely plan to do more of that when things kind of um, get a little easier. Um, But we were going to do a a wolf sanctuary um, a a little north of past LA. And yeah, that kind of just fell through, but I was actually able to do something for my birthday where, um, which is in January where I had reached out to like close friends and, you know, women writers, um, out in Julian, California for another wolf sanctuary that I had found. And, um, we didn't ride there, but I had gotten like at least 30 people together and we had gone out there and done like, kind of like a little, you know, like a visit. And that was really cool. So, um, I hope to do more group rides to shelters. That's actually like one of the main focuses that I wanted to take. Um, like I want to take she wolf in that direction. It just, I felt like with everything going on, it was almost like a, you know, hold in that. So, um, yeah, that's definitely for the future. So are you trying to knock off any trips off your list maybe now that you get more free time or are you trying to stay more local just because of finances and things or? Yeah, I, right now I'm kind of not just because of everything and I'm just trying to stay safe right now, really for the most part. Um, I would have loved to do like, I, this was like the year I wanted to take to do like really intense trips. I w- I've always wanted to do like a Texas tour. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff and like the most random roads. And I, I'm all about like weird things and architecture and just buildings and art stuff. And I just feel like there's certain parts of the U S alone that, um, there's a lot of that. So I would have loved to do that this year, but um, unfortunately due to everything I couldn't, but yeah, I'm all about like just stopping at the most random coolest. I'm uh, like, I'm really into like vintage, like neon signs and stuff. So I always want to like to just like do like a neon sign tour. Um, I love haunted stuff. So I want to go like haunted abandoned places and stop and do like a, you know, haunted tour thing. And um, yeah, I have a lot of ideas in my head as far as like, 
traveling on the bike. Uh, I just haven't gotten there yet. And I wanted to have like, um, a bigger tank for my bike. So I don't know if, uh, I guess I haven't mentioned this before, but I had, uh, inherited an old Dave's red out tank that was won by one of my friends. And it was from, I think the third year and it was painted by, um, a local artist he's like a he he paints tanks and he um it was a beautiful tank and it was like a peanut size so it was about a 1.2 liter that only got me about 65 miles tops on the highway so I uh couldn't rely on that so my goal was like to get a bigger tank so that I could do longer rides and as soon as I got that bigger tank everything kind of crashed so um that was my goal like okay I'm gonna get a bigger tank and I get a better seat like this is gonna happen and then by that time I'll be able to like just go anywhere and yes I have all the time in the world now but unfortunately you know just under the circumstances I can't but yeah I'd love to do all those things for sure okay yeah yeah some people you know some people are kind of taking it a little bit more seriously than others um there are thousands and thousands of people in Sturgis right now um And so I didn't know where you fell kind of on that spectrum. If you were like, oh, maybe I won't go to Sturgis because there's so many people, but, you know, I'll go to, you know, I don't know where there's one that's the wild gypsy tour or something in Austin. Yeah, I mean, like I got asked to do that, the wild gypsy tour to come and bend. And um, I was okay about it for a while. And I had actually said yes to it, but then everything happened and then it kind of just fell through. And um, I'm just not about the crowd right now I'm trying to kind of stay away from it that's just my personal opinion and I just I have clients that I have to get back to and I want to make sure that when I go back to work I'm safe and healthy and I don't want to risk anything so I'm just trying to be you know extra cautious about things um in that sense and um yeah I would have loved to go to Stur- I've never been a Sturgis and I'm not so much for the crowd of Sturgis just it's just not my thing but um I would have loved to experience it I would have loved to ridden outside like on the outskirts of Sturgis Sturgis do like the four corners ride um the few other rides out there the devil's tower I think it is it's out there um yeah. that would be really cool to check out for sure but um you know, I have any time to do that. That's not during Sturgis where it's just wild. So I feel like I would love to do Sturgis one day, but maybe not this year, <laughs> obviously not this year, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess my final question to kind of wrap things up, you say that you are a horror movie fan or a horror buff. What is your favorite horror movie? That's like the question that's so hard to answer because there's just so much out there, but if I had to choose right now, I would probably say The Shining. It's just an all-time classic, and uh, I'm, I love Stanley Kubrick and everything he's done, and I love the book, and I just love all the things Shining as far as, like, um, you know, anything in that category, and I just watched Doctor Sleep, which is, like, a spinoff of the shine. It's kind of like what happens when he gets older and um, his story from that perspective and how the world's affected with uh, just kind of uh, what goes on in the past movie and has a lot of flashbacks and stuff. So I really like that. It re kind of opened my love, my love for that. So. Okay. Now um, I hear you live in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. I live in orange, but it's close. Orange, yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure he counts as a horror author, but um, have you heard of Dean Koontz? Dean, what is it? The last Dean Koontz? No, I have not. 
So he is an author that is kind of a mix of sci-fi and horror, I'd say. And one of the first novels that I ever read and really, really loved was called Watchers. And it's about um, genetically modified dogs. Weird. Yeah. And (laughs) so two of them escape this lab. And a lot of his books are based in the Santa Ana Mountains or foothills or whatever. And I wasn't sure if he, I think he lives in California. I don't know if he lives in Santa Ana or if he lives in Orange County, but he at least uses that area as a setting for a lot of his books. So I wasn't sure if you'd run across it or not. I haven't. I mean, I wouldn't know what the Santa Ana mountains would be considered if it, if it, if he's referring to like Santa Ana here, um, just because Santa Ana is very central and I feel like mountains would be more like towards like Santiago Canyon, which is like North of orange, but he could be, I don't know. I just, I'm not too familiar with, um, the term Santa Ana mountains. So, um, I'd have to check them out. That sounds really interesting. It's definitely something up my alley, especially the, uh, modified dogs. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I could be mistaken. I, I read that book. Oh, I've read it multiple times, but, mm-hmm. uh, primarily I think I read it for the first time when I was 11 or 12, something like that. But, um, anyway, so that's a, a yeah. very long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's called, it's called watchers. If you, cool. if you ever get a chance, uh, I would definitely read it. There's, you know, a golden retriever and then kind of like a monster, uh, you know, because obviously you're doing experiments. Some of them go right. Some of them go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have different applications, right? I don't right. give away too much if you end up reading it, but yeah. it's a super interesting story. If you like animals, I think that you um, would definitely like the book. And of course, like I said, he does tend to set his books in uh, Santa Ana. Cool. That's uh, awesome. I'll definitely check that out. I'm super interested and always learning new things, horror or weird or (laughs) sci-fi all about it. All right. Well, Nina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the modern squid podcast. If you'd like to follow along with Nina and she wolf Motoko, you can follow them on Instagram at she wolf Motoko. Her website is she wolf As always, I'll have an episode page up with all the relevant links. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.